in, well, because you're actually emanating the very heart of your father, the, the nature of God. It doesn't distinguish you're more important, you're less than, or, it just loves. And it loves the very nature that's in us. This gets exciting. Isaiah 43 is this. Yahweh says, you are my witnesses. You remember what a witness is? It just goes and say, my chosen ones. My witness to my chosen ones, something that's not a testimony of the past. It's what you have observed and experienced. In a court of law, a witness is what did you experience? What, was, what did you observe? Some pretty high profile cases right now in the world, you know, the Floyd the Floyd case is going on right now, and they, they're asking the people, what did you witness? What did you experience? What did you? And they're describing what they saw in the policeman's eyes, and they're, they're describing how their heart felt. That's what it means to be. But he says, you're my witness. Your experience of me and what you've observed. I love this. You're my chosen ones. And he goes on to say, I chose you in order that you would know me intimately. He didn't choose us to get a kingdom built <laughs> or to build a church or start a ministry. He actually chose us to know him intimately. And then he says, believe, and I chose you that in order that you would know me intimately, to believe me always. There's only two commands that Jesus gave in the New Testament. I'll, I'll say it again and again. The Great Commission says, you know, now go into all the world, you know, making disciples, learners, teaching them to what? Obey what I've commanded you. And he only gave two commands. It's right there in 1 John. I command that you would believe on me and love one another. That was it. You can't love one another. It's impossible to love others until you actually, your heart believes. And it wasn't a command of obedience. It was a command. It was his heart to receive. This is what's going to come out of you. So, this is he's saying this Isaiah, he's he's laying down a real prophetic track here and and fully understand that I'm the only God. How many of us have in our life had other gods, other idols, subtly, the spirit of mammon, you know? Uh I hope it's a relationship that goes, it's perfect, you know, it's the idyllic one. Like other things that bring us pleasure, or we run to for pleasure or or protection. Biblically, those are called idols outside of him, where we look outside. And he's going, I would long that you would understand me, fully understand that I'm the only source. I'm the only place. Now, he's using language here. And we have the abandonment of all these years. Then he goes on to say, bring me my sons from far away. So, Cecil, this is it. Bring me my sons from far away, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Bring me everyone who's called by my name. How, how many believe that everybody's been called? Jesus didn't just die for the a few of us. He died for, it says that God, the Father, was reconciling the whole world to himself through Christ. Now, this was written before that and giving them this call, and it still lasts today. This is what witnesses do. Oh, the ones I created to experience my glory. I myself formed them to be who they are and made them for my glory. That's not he needs to be, quote, I'm bigger. For my glory is, my glory is, is Lance, you've said this with the men's thing on Thursday nights, is for humankind, for mankind to be fully alive, to be free, to be playing in that love, to rolling down the streets of Red Deer with your convertible top on and jive into the music, <laughs> to 
jumping on a plane and going to Sierra Leone and showing up in a village because it's your, just your heart to do and see someone learn. Watching that lady have her first child after six miscarriages was just like, you, you, can't, you can't make that memory go into anything else but pure joy. I, I, it's, it's watching a, a little child paint a picture and you start weeping as a grandparent because, oh my gosh, you made that for me and it just exudes life. Someone who fixes my car, I have a, you know, the large independent uh, mechanic shop in Calgary is a friend of mine and he's a Christian man and we have great talks. My daughter worked for him for a while. And when he, when you, when I would take a car over to him, he loves helping. He, he, the, the grace of God comes through him in him explaining how it works and what you need to be aware for, all that kind of stuff. Who wouldn't want a doctor that cares and has love and knows that's what he wants to do? He really wants to help. Like this is, you get what I'm trying to say. It comes out in so many different ways. So it goes on to say this. So, so stop dwelling on the past. <laughs> Um, if any of us here or people that we meet are stuck, God says, you know, he's not being angry here. He says, just stop. Forget the former things. That's not, the, that's not what defines you. It's new life. It's new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. Don't even remember those former things. This is now a version that gets a little, and I'm doing something brand new, something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. Jesus tells us, the New Testament tells us, these flowing streams are rivers of living water and will never thirst again. But they keep flowing because it's not just about us. It flows through us. It flows into our artistry. It flows into what someone I'm reading right now, Makato, the, the theology of making. When you start making things, that's where you experience creativity. The Spirit of God came on, the first mention of the Holy Spirit comes on a person in the wilderness to make things. And in that place, it's the Spirit of God. He had the ability to make things, but now the Spirit of God is in him. That's going to make, it's the making is going to now bring a glory out of it versus just him making it on his own. How many things that we might have tried to make on our own, but we didn't have the spirit of the very nature of God in it. We were doing it for the, the sake of, but when that nature of God is in us, it goes amazing. Um, so here's, I'm going to take you to this last little bit here, just a couple of verses, but Romans 8, 14, the mature children are God of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy spirit. As we move through the wilderness, through the Jordan, into the land of promise, we're together. And we're collecting, cleaning out giants with his help out of hearts. And how does that happen? Well, Cecil, again, I'm gonna, it's going to be the very nature of how you're made. It could be standing at an ice cream shop or fixing a car or doing whatever it is. It's incredible how uh, the impulse of the Holy Spirit might be I think I heard James talk about it recently. He goes into this church in, in, in Holland and he's in a meeting and all of a sudden he's overcome with joy. Remember what is the, what's the fruit of the spirit? 
So the spirit is the essence of him. And what does his, what's the fruit of him in us? It's love. And how does love manifest? In goodness and kindness and gentleness and patience and joy and long suffering. If you try to kind of live your life and quick, today I'm going to be patient. Today I'm going to be this, man, you're trying, you know. But it's a manifestation of the fruit of the nature of God in us. That's why his ways, that's why he's doing it. <laughs> and so James tells the story of how all of a sudden joy comes on him. That's one of the ways, the fruit, the manifestation of love of his father. And it's a weird place to do it, but he has a sense that if he touches the back of the, of the pastor, <laughs> it's going to jump into him. And he's, but he's a bit afraid to do it because I don't know if you've done this. I did this a few times in the corporate world where I was moved by the impulse of the spirit to honor a 64 year old man who had lived his life pretty much alone. His brother had was one of the scientists that came up with aspartame. And this guy was a beautiful, smart, uh, you know, engineer, but very old school. And we're driving around one day and I'm just asking him about himself. And I find out in his life, he'd been so orphaned. He'd never ever, had a birthday party and he was 64 and I felt this impulse like I got to do something like that we got to have a party and so I I I, I hosted I I called the vice I sent out emails to our senior vice presidents and you know to come you know, it was a big building downtown and and all these people show up in this room and crowded outside the room and here he is I got him sitting at the table and he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's a very old school, like no emotion showing. I never saw him. And in comes this cake and I put it down and we start singing a very odd version of happy birthday to a bunch of people don't even know this guy. And he starts weeping and he just says it out loud. That's when I realized I didn't know that before that he says, I've never had a birthday cake, you know, little on a birthday party. And he's 64. And I'm watching the room and people are kind of blown away. Then the next day I get a, my boss calls me to his office and says, um, Hey, want to read you a email from the vice president who showed up. Oh, this can be cool. The, the, the kingdom of God has made an imprint on the vice president of the company. And he says, if that guy ever does that again, I'm going to fire him. <laughs> like he did, he put it in, didn't say it that, that frankly, but he was so bothered the fact that he got an email that made him show up. And I looked at my boss and I said, really? Like, this is, this is our VP? And he says, would you do it again? And I go, I'm feeling this fear to go back into the Egypt. And I go, you know what? I would, I would. And he goes, good. I needed to hear that. You know, it's his, and, you know, he used very colorful language. You know, it's his you know, whatever, that he doesn't have to show up. He doesn't have to come to the party, but to suggest that you should be fired the next time you do it because it's bothering him. Oh my gosh. And I went, ah, that's what love's going to do, man. That's what the impulse of the Holy Spirit. I think we can all think they, they've happened in our lives without us being conscious of them. We just do something. Don and Rob, you just, you know, when I was telling you about what we were trying to plan for Arlene and Lutz and how are we going to get this stuff? You just like, we want to do it. <laughs> and they showed up, you know, sitting in their car, watching the whole thing on their telephone, waiting for the moment to knock on their door. 
And it wasn't a duty for them. It was a fun thing to do. This is going to be important. I got to leave this with you today before we're done. It's this, because we're going to talk a little bit, but is the very nature of him comes in us, this freedom, this playfulness that's come out of what Wayne is saying is equivalent to being moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. And we've said this before, Jody and I've talked about this and others. So what's it, what's in your heart to do as if that's now that's your life. But that question could be just, could be asked of yourself at any given moment. It's not to paint your life for a pattern. Oh, it's in my heart to do is to build the kingdom of God. Okay. Okay. But what's in your heart to do even it might, it'll, it'll shift because the Holy Spirit's within you and you can be moved by in compassion in any given moment. And in a playful childlikeness, you just go do. Now imagine if all of us, if the body of Christ was all being moved by those moments, like that gets pretty exciting instead of a technical pattern that we're going to kind of plan it out. And now we're going to ask God to come and fill it. Now it doesn't mean he doesn't do this. So I want to read this story. And some of you may know this story, but I thought it was just profound for, for me last week. And it's, it's, it's in first Kings chapter eight, verses 15 to 19. And it really is about what was in David's heart. David was one of those characters of the old covenant in the old Testament, her story to just simply go love a neighbor in pandemic dropping groceries off, picking up things for them, nine years old. And it's become this movement. And she's not, when they ask her, so why did you, oh, because it's, it's how you, how I love my neighbors. <laughs> it's in her heart to do that childlikeness. I love this picture. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son who will come from your body shall build the temple for my name. And I'm going to leave it like this. This is a whole bunch of things going on in this. So David's in his heart to do it. And God is telling, it wasn't in my plan. It's in your heart. And it's great that it was in your heart. But I want to let you know, David, that you won't build it. Your son's going to build it. But David wasn't, oh, he goes, really? We're going to build it? So go get all the materials. And the Holy Spirit starts showing up on these artisans. And they start in building this incredible thing. And when Solomon comes along, and if you read the story, when the Holy Spirit, and it's done, and Solomon is now praying that nothing can ever contain you. Solomon, you got it. There's, but I'm going to come, and my presence will come into this. But I didn't ask for this. But I'm going to come and bless what was in your hearts to do. Now, isn't this a great picture of a father with son? David didn't get to actually build, because now he's such a son that he's now revealing what the father's like. And his son gets to do the creating, gets to actually put, those who've heard me do weddings, there's two creations. It's first an idea, it's first a thought, it's first an inspiration in your heart. And, and then it has to translate from that into someone actually building it. I love buildings, I love architecture, I love beauty. And I can think of a thousand things, but it, but it has to then translate. There's two creations. There, there needs to be those who are called to put it together. And they do it with such beauty and light. What was the first line? Do you guys know what the first line is of Genesis chapter one? God created. And how did he do it? He spoke it. And when God speaks into our hearts, when we have our ears to hear, and you know what? His son said, dad, I want to be a part of that. It's he spoke the word 
and it came to mean the Bible describes Jesus as the word. Out of the mouth of Jesus only came the very nature and the very actions of, of what the father was like, father and son. Did you know that, that the father did not create the universe? He inspired it. He is the source of it.